This is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live today from the Salt Palace. We're hanging out with our friends at Homie at Silicon Slopes, and of course, uh, Homie, a big deal in the tech world around here, and it's uh, exciting to be down here with them. It's a lot of fun. They hooked uh, Megan and myself up with a t-shirt, so we feel like we're part of the team. We're out here getting the word out about Homie, so if you're uh, coming down or, uh, or already here and listening... Maybe you have an earpiece or something. Listen on the app. Uh, come on by and, and say hello. We're going to talk some Utah, Arizona State with our friend Hode Rubino coming up here momentarily of Devil's Digest. We'll find out exactly what's going on in Arizona State land where it would appear like they've uh, bounced back from their loss against uh, BYU and seem to be playing some pretty good football. So, in fact, uh, uh, let's uh, let's waste no more time, shall we? Shall we? Let's get out to the sprint, or excuse me, the smart rain special guest line joining us now. He writes for Devil's Digest. He's our friend Hode Rubino with us on the big show. Hode, what's going on? Not much. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me on again. No, we appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. And I was just uh, making the point that it would appear that Arizona State has bounced back nicely from that uh, loss to BYU. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you want to frame it as a classic wake-up call or not, and it's a good thing that if it was a wake-up call that it happened in non-conference play rather than Pac-12 slate. But, uh, yes, I think that uh, ASC first and foremost really had a hard time dealing uh, with a rowdy crowd uh, on the road. As you know, all Pac-12 teams uh, were not playing in front of uh, anybody uh, in the stands d- during uh, the, the, um, the 2020 season. So it really was uh, a bit of a, a culture shock, if you will, uh, um, for the Sun Devils. Obviously, they had the 16 penalties, probably close to 20 if all those penalties were accepted by the Cougars, had four turnovers. So it really was a game that uh, I'm not saying BYU did not earn their victory, but they definitely were aided by ASU continuously shooting themselves in the foot. And since then, uh, they definitely have played uh, um, better football. I would say even maybe beating some teams are just as good, if not better, than BYU. So, again, if you want to call it a a wake-up call or uh, just um, a really um, realization of uh, what you are and what you aren't, and really uh, making sure you're taking corrective action after that. I think the Sun Devils have done a good job in that element. Well, you you say beating some teams. Uh, the, the I guess, uh, right answer would be stomping teams. I mean, beat the Colorado 35-13, to which you would expect that, but smashed UCLA 42-23 to and beat Stanford 28-10. to I mean, really whooped up on those teams. So is it... Is it simply that they cleaned up those mistakes that you're talking about, or is it they fixed those mistakes and then something else? Well, I think, uh, first of all, there's no question that the ASU defense, even the loss to BYU, showed why they're uh, one of the better, if not the best unit uh, in the Pac-12. Because when you look at that BYU game, it really was what essentially came down to a, a garbage-time touchdown that was the only points that ASU gave up the entire second half at, at, at BYU. And the defense really has uh, just played better and better ever, ever, ever since. But I think uh, the key is the passing game. And I know folks have 
listened to my analysis often are probably sick of me saying this, but coming into the season, I knew that the passing game was going to be the X factor for ASU. And if that passing game played better, if not much better than it did in 2020, there's really no telling how far this team can go. Even in the loss to BYU, we started to see some early signs of this passing game uh, really turning the corner and playing at a higher level because even against the so-called cupcakes, this passing game was, was really anemic. So uh, I would say especially especially against UCLA and uh, to a lesser extent against Colorado, uh, this, uh, this passing game really, really, really showed up. And along with an already strong ground attack with already a strong uh, defense, this is really the, the, the missing missing puzzle piece. Uh, I was uh, somewhat disappointed in the passing game, not playing all that great against uh, Stanford. Uh, the, only, the last offensive touchdown scored in that contest was really early in the second quarter. But uh, I know there's going to be some times during the season that the defense is really going to have to bail out uh, the offense and really carry the entire team, and that Stanford game was one example of that. Curious to see what's going to happen on Saturday, if it's going to be the same scenario. So I thought watching the the Arizona State-BYU game obviously closely, BYU really made a a concerted effort to make Jaden Daniels throw. I I mean, Mm -hmm. he had 10 carries for eight yards in the BYU game, so obviously they were pretty effective at that. And so I guess I think you're right on the money about the the passing game. If Utah were to take a page out of of BYU's book and really make Jaden Daniels one-dimensional, is he the way he's playing right now, is he good enough to go win a game with his arm? Well, I should just add uh, just a, a very small and quick note uh, about the uh, offensive play calling in the BYU game. There is a former ASU staffer that's currently on, on the BYU staff. So what the ASU coaching staff did, and honestly, I don't think they prepared all that well leading up to the BYU game, is actually change your play calling system where Jaden Daniels, if you noticed during the game, was actually wearing a wristband and looking at the plays. And, and calling them accordingly, and that's something that was absolutely foreign to Jaden Daniels and, and the offense. They haven't done it since. They haven't done it before. So I think uh, that uh, really hindered, especially the passing game against BYU, which actually wasn't, wasn't all, all that bad. But I would say if, if I'm Utah and I'm looking at this ASU offense, not that you're disrespecting uh, Jaden Daniels in the, in the passing game because in recent weeks it definitely played, uh, played well, but make no mistake about it, the bread and butter of this ASU offense is, is the running game. You probably could make the same argument about Utah uh, for that matter. So I, I think Utah would be comfortable with the defensive approach being make Jed and Daniels and, and, and the passing game beat us as long as we can contain the, contain the, uh, contain the ground game. If, um, if Utah empl- employs that and the passing game for ASU does not respond in kind, uh, then I think uh, it could be a very tough matchup for the Sun Devils. Yeah, you know, and and I think, you know, watching Jaden play over the years, he's certainly good enough to make you pay throwing the ball. I Don't get me wrong, you know, it's kind of like Gap and LeBron, you know. He's a good three-point <laughs> shooter, but you'd rather you'd rather play that way than have him dunk in your face, you know. So it's it's one of those pick-your-poison type thing, which which probably is what makes him very good. Yeah, and uh, look, uh, I'm not, um, you know, minimizing uh, anything uh, about, about Utah and their big win at USC even though it seems like uh, every Pac-12 team that makes a visit to the LA Coliseum drops uh, 40-plus points yeah, uh, right. on the pros of this season. But uh, I think uh, when you look at, look at the other side of the coin, you can argue that USC wasn't able to run the ball well that night. You can argue that USC was playing from behind constantly and had to throw the ball as often as they did. But I think the fact that ultimately Keaton Clovis did uh, pass for 401 yards against Utah, I can't imagine – 
that youth uh, secondary really coming in uh, with, with a lot of confidence and swagger uh, in, into this game. You know, I mean, some, some may argue that maybe the USC passing game is, is much better than ASU. I, I, would, I, would actually, I would actually disagree on that. But I think that offensive coordinator Zach Hill has definitely seen a lot of opportunities that the, 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 that the Cita secondary can present. So I think uh, Utah, Utah defense might be in, a, in somewhat of a tough position because they definitely want, they definitely want to make Jaden Daniels uh, beat them rather than uh, concede anything to the running game. But uh, if Utah secondary does not play um, much better, than they did uh, last, last week at the Coliseum. I think Jaden Daniels and his aerial targets are definitely at a high enough level that they can exploit a lot of opportunities over there for the Sudden Devils. You've seen uh, Arizona State play UCLA, so they, and they've, they've been good at times this year, so I don't want to totally discount them, but I'm going to ask this question anyway. How much of the South do you think uh, who ends up winning the division uh, comes down to this game this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there's really uh, no way in my mind to uh, overstate the, the, the importance of this because you, you, when you have the tiebreaker, it's not that you're really up by a game. You're really, really essentially up, up by two games. Uh, you know, UCLA maybe has an outside chance of uh, getting, getting back in the race, but they're going to be highly dependent on both, on, on both Utah and ASU. And you can also make the argument that that game later on between Utah and UCLA can, can, can definitely dictate a lot. Depending on depending on what happens on on, on Saturday night, but yeah, um, I mean, I I try not to be hyperbolic uh, with my, with with my statements when it comes to the magnitude of games, but I think it's really impossible to uh, even try to minimize the importance of of ASU Utah matchup. There's, there's no doubt that uh, the the team that wins is going to be is going to be in the driver's seat. I will say that objectively speaking, I think ASU might have an an easy your path from here on out um, compared to Utah in terms of the caliber of teams that are remaining on the schedule. So I'm not I'm not here to you know concede anything or, or, or saying if ASU loses it's really no big deal. But I still feel ultimately that Utah um, you know they they had what I guess what should have been a tough game at USC ended up not being definitely a tough game uh, the, uh, this Saturday. But uh, when you look at the schedule of of, of both Utah and ASU. Uh, it might be a little more important for Utah to, Utah to win this game than ASU because I think that they may uh, have some more pitfalls uh, down the road com- compared to the Sun Devils. But, but again, the, the, I, I agree with anybody that would say that the magnitude, the importance of this contest and its effect on the Pac-12 South race is absolutely enormous. I don't think you're overstating any of that at all, uh, Hode. I mean, I've got I, honestly, I've got Arizona State schedule here. They're at Utah, home to Washington State, home to USC, at Washington, at Oregon State, and home to Arizona. I mean, those are all very w- winnable games. I know the Beavs are playing better football, so you know maybe mm-hmm. that's more a little more difficult than than we once thought. And Utah has to play Oregon. Arizona State doesn't. But I, at least before the season, Hode, I thought it was going to come down to that. The three teams, USC, Arizona State, and Utah, and who beat who and who could go 2-0 and against the other two was going to decide the division. I didn't expect USC to go this far into the tank, and they're out of it, and that leaves this game. So I don't think you're being hyperbolic at all. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I wouldn't still rule out UCLA, which obviously, again, at this point is much more dependent on what Utah and, and, and what ASU is going to do. But, yeah, I think the – Downfall of, of of USC is definitely surprising. I don't think there were a college playoff team before the season started, and I thought that ASU still might edge them uh, for the, for the Pac-12 South championship. But uh, what's going on uh, right right now in LA uh, it, it really is mind-boggling. Uh, 
to some extent. I mean, I didn't, never thought that Clay Helton was a great head coach to begin with, but uh, for things to really uh, go downhill so quickly, I mean, again, three home Pac-12 games and all of them, not only do you lose, but the opponent scores 40-plus points. I know USC was not a defensive juggernaut coming into the season, but, you know, g- give, me, give me a break. I mean, that's just an absolute meltdown uh, in almost every Pac-12 contest uh, that, no, the, 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 that they played. But uh, UCLA, I think some folks did think they could be a contender for the, for the South Championship. And, again, I'm, I don't think they're really out of the picture uh, in, in that vein. But as far as Utah and ASU, yes, I think a lot of folks, including myself, uh, thought that, that they would be uh, in the mix uh, for the championship. And, again, I don't think anything is over by any means after Saturday night, but uh, there's definitely going to be maybe some clear uh, cut direction uh, for each team of what they need to do from here on out to capture that division championship. Our friend Hode Rubino is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone from Devil's Digest. Um, Hode, I'm sure you're uh, very tired of talking about this, but what is the latest <laughs> on the investigation into Arizona State? Where do things sit now? Well, I mean, I've been hearing conflicting reports as to whether the NCAA is actually going to have investigators uh, that, actually, that are, are going to interview the AC coaches and AC staff before the season or, or until after the season ends. And, you know, uh, folks ask me all the time, uh, how much of a distraction is this? I mean, I really think that the players and the coaches have done a very good job uh, really keeping that off-the-field off issue uh, in, 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 in the background. But truth be told, uh, if, the, if the NCAA investigators were start to interviewing coaches and staffers during the season, then you can argue that there could be a potential for, the, for distraction. But right now, I think that both uh, the coaches and the players have done a great job uh, not, not, even, not even thinking about that, not letting anything affect their play. I know that a lot of folks right after the BYU game said that, oh, this is a clear example that ASU lost and the way they lost with undisciplined play and turnovers is a clear example or clear proof how the NCAA investigation is affecting ASU. But obviously then when you go a couple of weeks later and, and beat UCLA on the road, uh, those, <laughs> those claims are, are nowhere to be found. So, I, again, I, I think that uh, the NCAA investigation is definitely a cloud that's hanging over, over the program's head, but I don't see it really affecting uh, what, what's happening between the white lines each and every week. What's your personal opinion on it? You think it's wrongdoing? Much ado about nothing? Who cares? Where Where do you fall? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a tough question to to answer because when you look at the uh, name, image, and likeness taking place so shortly after this story breaks, you're thinking like, okay, can we really just put everything in perspective and see what is really egregious and what really isn't? Um, you know, a school like Baylor. Uh, for example, with multiple uh, sexual tra- transgressions by by the by the players, coaches, administrators looking looking uh, looking the other way when it happens, and they get even less than a slap on the wrist. And the ASU right now is faced with uh, potentially a, a lot of uh, level level one infractions. I mean, I think in some way that does uh, that, that really does uh, rub, rub you the wrong way. I will say that, you know, I, I know a lot of folks here in Tempe were upset that uh, ASU already put not one, not two, but three assistant coaches on, on administrative leave. Uh, I, I think ultimately there really was uh, such, such a tight paper trail that was really hard uh, to, you know, to, to deny what happened over there. And, and look, if you're really being honest here, I think Arizona State just wanted to show that goodwill to the NCAA, so the NCAA in turn does show some goodwill uh, later on because 
we've seen a lot of examples where when you try to defy the NCAA, uh, when, when you really just uh, ignore or just try too hard to spin matters in, in your own way, that it really, it really does hurt you uh, uh, down the road. So I think if ASU uh, you know, is found guilty, then that should be ramifications. But how strong ramifications, I think the NCAA really should take a close look at the environment right now in, 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 in college football, um, really what, what's happening with schools, like I said, with Baylor, where uh, the transgressions over there are a million times worse than, than what happened at ASU. And, uh, you know, we'll, you know we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, look, I mean, if those coaches indeed uh, didn't, didn't, you know, did something wrong and the evidence is overwhelming, then uh, you really have to pay the price ultimately. Hoda Rubino is on with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Do you expect Herm Edwards, regardless of the outcome of the investigation, to be a long-term coach at Arizona State? How many more years do you think he has left? I really think when Herm Edwards was hired here uh, some, some four seasons ago that uh, it really wasn't viewed as, as, as a long-term um, app- appointment anyway. Um, you know, maybe the worst-kept secret is that if ASU – Ends up, uh, you know, you know, not only winning the South but winning the Pac-12. Uh, maybe Herm Edwards can leave on uh, on, on a high note and really just uh, hand, hand over the baton to, uh, to 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 someone else. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if if that were to happen, that uh, the, the, this would be the last year that Herm Edwards would you know, would, would be coaching in SMP. But I would say, generally speaking, uh, I, I don't expect uh, him him to be uh, coaching more than uh, beyond the the, the the 2022 season. And, and again, I think it was pretty much understood when he, when he was first hired that this wasn't like a 10-year appointment or, or, or anything like that. He wanted to get back in coaching, uh, and uh, he, he wanted to do it in, uh, in his last coaching job to be in an environment that, that, that he did feel comfortable in. But uh, I, I, never, I never personally viewed it as a, an appointment that really was going to be uh, you know, 10 years at, at ASU or anything like that. So I think ultimately it's going to be five, six years um, at the most that he's going to be the head coach here at Arizona State. You coming up to Salt Lake for the game, Hode? Yes, sir, I am. Well, uh, the good news is is the weather's supposed to be lovely on Saturday, you know, a nice high of, of 59 and sunny, which is actually great. But the bad news is the game's in the middle of the night, so no guarantees. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked at the forecast. I said, you know what, I, I didn't expect uh, to have a kickoff in the 60s or the 70s, but no rain, no snow, no wind. If that forecast does hold up, I think uh, it, it could be uh, – just okay under the circumstances, but uh, but we, again, when we talk about the passing game, really not only for ASU but also for Utah, I think that um, it's good that n- neither team is going to have inc- inclement weather if they really want to get their passing game uh, playing a bit, playing at a high level. Utah obviously coming off a big passing game performance against USC and uh, and, and ASU, uh, I think again the passing game maybe took a little bit of regression against against Stanford, but really has been playing at a pretty high level in uh, the, the, the two, three weeks preceding that game. So uh, at least I like the fact that on paper, as we speak right now, uh, there's not going to be any weather that, that, that's going to affect the team. I've seen ASU win in, in, in cold weather before. Anybody can look up the game they played against uh, Oregon State last December. It was uh, hardly Chamber of Commerce weather over there in Corvallis. So um, if folks think that ASU is not going to play well just because of the cold weather. I really think it could be mistaken, and again, there's definitely proof uh, to that. But, but again, I'm overall, I'm very happy that uh, touch wood, no rain, no snow, no wind. That's going to affect uh, affect the game. I think it's going to be an absolutely great contest Saturday night in Salt Lake. 
Well, Hode, thank you for coming on with us. We really appreciate it, giving us a little Sun Devil perspective and uh, enjoy the game on Saturday. Let's hope it's a good game at least. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.